Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host and joining me in the studio, my co-host in life, my beautiful wife, her name is just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! How you doing today, Jennifer? I'm doing good. Oh, I'm doing so good. That reminds me of you being a cheerleader. Yeah, I still am a cheerleader. You're my cheerleader. I'm your biggest cheerleader. Yes, Mm -hmm. you are. Yes. Literally. Yes. And figuratively. Yes. When we met, you were that cute little cheerleader in high school that used to do all the things. And I still am. You are. Yep. Yeah. You should do you should do more cheering. <laughs> I cheer every day. I have four boys that I cheer on every single day from the sidelines. Not to mention me. And you. Five boys. I am the cheerleader. Yes. You are also the queen of the household. Yeah. Okay. You remind us of that all the time. Let me just tilt my crown. <laughs> Uh, Well, you know, I'm happy to say that uh, the sun is shining. We've got decent weather. It's starting to feel a bit like fall. And guess what? The end of the year is around the corner, Jennifer. Can you believe it? 2020 is about to go down in the history books. It won't be long. I'm so ready. This has been an interesting year. Yes. Super interesting. But I'm ready. I'm ready for Christmas. I mean, our Christmas tree's been up for mm, two years, so... Let's shh. What? We can't say that. We don't take down our Christmas tree. People will judge us. They're not our friends. Well, like we just How <laughs> do we get in a situation where we didn't take down the tree? Because it's part of our decor. Yeah, we live in the mountains and we're surrounded by trees, so maybe we thought let's keep it pretty with the tree. It just looks like the outside. Yeah, outside in, inside out. You're right. our lead designer, I blame you. Yes, and I love it. <laughs> I'm the lead lazy designer. It's staying up. Can you, like of all of the years of my life that Mm -hmm. I have lived, this has been the most crazy year, just in terms of stuff that I've never seen before. I've never seen this many fires in the state of California before. I've never dealt with this much smoke before. No. I've never dealt with this much rancor and hostility, you know, politically, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, the uncertainty of the pandemic, like wearing a mask. Can you imagine going back and talking to yourself back in like, you know, this time last year, just one year ago, and to try to tell yourself what you were going to go through in the next year? Absolutely not. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) What a crazy wild ride it has been. And the lessons, you know, that you learn, what what you're willing to to do, what you can do, the uncertainty, the challenge, the change, it's been a crazy year. It has been crazy. Well, um, you know what? Rolling with the punches, picking yourself up. You may fall, but you got to just get back up again. That's what 2020 is going to teach us. You know? I hope so. Perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what it's going to be. That's right. All right. You ready for some funny time? I am ready. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. You go first then. You want me to go first? Yeah. I'm going to steal some of your thunder because I'm going to do kind of a food joke. That's lame i know well i haven't i don't know that i've ever heard you say this joke before but okay why did the banana go to the hospital because it wasn't peeling well of course i've heard that joke i know all food jokes i am the winner (laughs) i'm right aren't i (laughs) i know all the banana jokes (laughs) 
I'm, I'm not saying anything. You just stole my thunder. You do. You did. You did know all the banana jokes. I know that was a good one, though. Actually, I think I meant to say a different joke, but I got confused. I probably know that one too. Okay, let me try another one. I, since, no, since no, you no. Knew that, no. Hey, you've had a couple times where you've no, had a couple jokes. No, you only get one. And why are you maybe finger, next your finger time, pointing at me? Yeah, you only get one, and maybe next time you won't tell a food joke. Those are my jokes. Are you disciplining me right now? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. What do you call cheese that is sad? Highly unusual cheese. Like, why would cheese be sad? Blue cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Only the best cheese ever for salads. You know what else is blue? What? Me right now because you just stole my thunder, wouldn't let me say another joke, and then you got a cheese joke that's blue cheese. I can't help that I am so smart. God made me this way. He did. Yeah. And I love it. I was born this way. Even when it's to my disadvantage. (laughs) I was born this way. That's not how it goes, but. How's it go? (laughs) I already sang last last episode I sang. So we have a limit on how many times you can sing? Yeah, I'm not ready. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I want to tell you, we've got a fascinating interview that we're about to have, and I couldn't wait to talk with this couple. God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Wow. I'll say it. (laughs) <laughs> and and now I'm even more blue because you're stealing my thunder and interrupting my flow. Oh, flow on. <laughs> <laughs> Keep flowing. Flow like water. Our, seriously, I'm trying to introduce our next guest. Let's do it. Okay, so Brad and Libby, we're going to talk to a husband and wife team just like <gasps> us. Train. Whoa, that was out of nowhere. <laughs> that was kind of emphasis. That was the hope train. train. That was the hope train moving on down the tracks. So we're going to talk to a husband and wife team. Okay. Just like us, but different than us. Now, I think you're going to love this show. Whoa. Just like. The hope train. The hope train is loud. Just like us, but different than us. (laughs) Are you laughing at me again? Yeah. yeah. Your jokes are funny. That wasn't a joke. That was just me talking. (laughs) Well, that's funny. You better stop. I'm not going to be able to get through this. So Brad and Libby, husband and wife team, and you're going to love this because you're a foodie. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are the owners of a nonprofit community restaurant where they actually feed people. It's a restaurant where people can come in, order a meal off the menu, but there's no prices. What? That sounds like your dream world. Yes. There's no prices. What they said was they want to come alongside the community and pay what you can. It's a pay what you can type <gasps> restaurant. So if you got 25 cents in your pocket, that's all you can pay. You pay that. I can finally order lobster. Jennifer. And steaks. What do you mean? You order lobster and steak before. You've no. had that before. Only, only at that lobster place where it's like $7.99. <laughs> Red lobster? Yeah. That's not what you want to eat. When you want lobster. Anyway, you're getting the rails off the train. Let's go to Maine. What? Maine has lobsters. Jennifer, can we talk about, you know, the subject at hand? Hope. Food. Feeding people. Well, apparently you must be hungry because you you fixated on that. So here's the deal. They opened up this restaurant, community Mm -hmm. restaurant, pay what you will. They did it 14 years ago. So obviously the concept works. They're still in it. And their restaurant has been the catalyst 
the the linchpin of other restaurants doing the same thing. And now there's many, many examples of these throughout the country. Wow. And uh, I can't wait to talk to them. I want to talk really about cool. coming alongside your community members and doing something, feeding people and good, nutritious food. Yes. Not not scamping. They do the quality stuff. Not Red Lobster. So you ready to talk Better. about food? I'm always ready to talk about food. You ready to talk about hope? I'm Hope is just my middle name. I know, but we're going to talk about hope and food. It's a double, <gasps> double win. This is going to be good. I'm going to call him right now. Okay. All right. I've got Brad and Libby Berkey on the line. Welcome to Hope, and Ra- hope Radio Podcast, you guys. How are you doing? We're doing great. Excellent. I, I know I've actually caught you in the midst of doing your normal day-to-day business at the restaurant, you know, as was happened with restaurants, somebody called in sick and Brad, you had to take over the line. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so last minute just kind of had to put the, put the apron on and jump behind the line and start cooking, which is where I really love to be anyway, cooking, getting food, uh, prepared and getting it into people's bellies so they can eat with dignity and have a delicious filling lunch. Well, I can tell already you would be Jen's best friend because Jen's a total foodie. <laughs> yeah, I'm already wondering what you were cooking. <laughs> What's for lunch? Well, I just, I just, oh my gosh, I just finished a sweet potato carrot and apple piece that was incredible. Oh. With a, I had a side of crispy potatoes, which were oh. ugh, so good. They're my downfall. Indulgent, but delicious. Oh my gosh. I've Heavenly. just lost Jen. Yeah. Jen, Jen is going to be drawing doodles of food as we speak. I'm, she, dro- I'm drooling. See, she's a foodie, but I am not. So yes. like I, you know, like she wakes up, she looks at pictures of food. She thinks about their food throughout the day. She thinks about the food she's going to eat tomorrow and the next day. I'm like, I don't have time yeah, for that. Yeah, we have four boys, and I keep trying to get one of them to be a chef. I'm like, somebody needs to be a chef so they can cook for me. <laughs> so I think our young, I think our youngest is really into cooking. So he he we'll would see. be the best chance. Yeah. You know, he's the one that's most interested, it seems like. <laughs> so. It is pretty nice to have a chef on the house. I have to say that. See, I need that. <laughs> well, for the benefit of uh, our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you normally call home? What do you guys do? Tell us a little bit about your family situation, etc. Just get us up to speed on who you guys are. Sure. So, <clears throat> calling home, that's an interesting question because uh, for the last two and a half years, we have lived in a um, converted cargo van that we changed into a, a motorhome, RV, however you want to call it. And um, so... Our address is in Florida right now. We used to be in Colorado, but um, we, my parents own a home in Florida. We decided to buy a home near them um, just so that when we do have some downtime, our, our stopping grounds is near them, which is great. Um, but we have, um, you know, we grew up in the Midwest. We are both middle children, and both of our families were really about being part of the community and just building our neighbors up and walking alongside with our neighbors. And so both of us grew up in households where, you know, we went to church and part of our going to church was serving in various capacities. So I did mission trips, Brad did mission trips. We volunteered in soup kitchens and um, that kind of brought us together as a couple. And then um, when we first got together, we started looking at um, volunteering in the community where we were living, which is in central Illinois. And uh, we found a soup kitchen that we wanted to volunteer at, and we did that for about five years. 
yeah, it seemed like every time we looked at volunteering, we kept looking at places that had to do with food. So it was definitely <laughs> speaking to us. Well, yeah, I think, I think Jim would... Our, our, no, I was just going to say, I think Jim would sympathize with that, too. I yeah. mean, if you're going to volunteer anywhere, why not volunteer somewhere where you got some food? Oh, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And volunteer where your passion is. I mean, if you yeah. love puppies, go volunteer at a, you know, at a vet. If you love yeah. flowers, go to the tennis garden. But if you love food, you know, get in a kitchen. and It's a great chance to play and to have fun and experiment. And, and learn lots of things. And learn. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Love that. Uh, I learn every day. There are people... <laughs> And they're like, oh, have you tried this? Or have you done it this way? Or what do you think will happen if we do it like this? Um, so, yeah, chickens, are, chickens yeah. are a great place to hang out. Did either one of you have any background in culinary at all? Not at that time, no. Uh-uh. Uh, when we got serious about opening the restaurant, um, Brad did go to culinary school. We kind of rock, paper, scissors <laughs> for it, and I lost. <laughs> And, uh, it actually made the most sense because I was teaching uh, fifth and sixth grade at the time, and there was no way I could go to culinary school. Um, on top of that, or even in except, you know, in, in replacement of that, so Brad got to do that. He was still able to do his computer consulting work on the side, so it worked out really well for us. And he came home every night, and we had our own little like test kitchen at home, and he would teach me all the things he learned at school. Sometimes we'd be up till like, he didn't get home till, from class until like 8 or 8.30 at night. And so, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, we're turning the oven on and I'm baking torts and I'm <laughs> learning how to make pudding. And wow. It was great. You, you, you just describing Jen's perfect life. Yes. <laughs> I, can, I, I can see she's just smiling ear to ear, <laughs> imagining that perfect life. Yep. So I, I guess I was most interested and most excited to speak with you guys because of the very unique approach that you've taken with not only the restaurant that y you created and, and helped run or manage, but also come alongside other people that have done a similar thing. And, and I had actually never heard of it. And so really what you guys have done is that you guys have worked in a restaurant and provided food in a restaurant and had a menu that had no prices on it. And I, I found that fascinating. So people could come in, sit down, have a meal and, and pay what they could pay. And maybe sometimes people couldn't pay. And then maybe sometimes people could pay far more than what they would have normally. I just was blown away with that concept. Mm -hmm. And so tell us how the beginnings of that, what's the origin story of that? Yeah, it really came out of the, the soup kitchen volunteerism that we were doing and just seeing that the quality of food was you know, the best they could do, but it wasn't great. And we knew that there was a lot of people that would come in day in and day out that weren't getting their dietary needs met there. Um, you know, somebody to come in and be vegetarian and the only thing on the, you know, on the menu was a burger, um, okay, if they were lucky or usually spaghetti with meat sauce or you know, something like that. And so, um, there was no choice available, and so we saw that lack of choice. We saw that lack of quality, and we really just thought it boiled down to a lack of dignity. And so we wanted wanted to do something different. We just couldn't figure out what that different was for a while uh, until one day we were coming back from a vacation, and we're sitting there on the plane trying to think of what do we want to do when we grow up? What do, what do we want to be in this, <laughs> in this world, and how do we want to do something that can make an impact? And it just kind of hit us, and, you know, being mile high, a uh, mile closer to God, whatever you want to mm -hmm. uh, describe it as. We were up there, and the inspiration was just put in our laps. Put in our laps. We had that yeah. aha moment, like, oh, a restaurant. And just 
you know, we won't charge. We'll just let people come in and eat. Uh, hey, can you do that? I'm not <laughs> sure we can do that. Well, so we did a lot of research. It turns out you can. Um, they don't recommend it, but <laughs> you're definitely a bit allowed to, you know, have a restaurant that doesn't charge the price. Well, I can imagine that, you know, that, that one of the hardest businesses out there is the, is the food business. And there's, you know, horrible statistics on how many actual restaurants make it. So I could imagine there was a little bit of a discouragement yeah. there. I mean, even the, the ones that charge for their meals sometimes struggle to survive and or make it. So a restaurant that would not charge for the, the meals and instead was on a donation basis, I would imagine would be, you know, really different. And that's what I think spoke to my spirit about it, because I personally believe in the best of people. I believe that people are good people. And I and I want to believe that people, you know, would rise to the occasion and in a situation like that, recognize what you guys are doing and want to contribute. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious about those statistics about how it's worked out for you. I mean, how long have you been doing it now? It's a, we're staying in its 14th year. Wow. Just getting ready. Yeah, two weeks will be our 14th birthday uh, anniversary uh, wow. of, of opening. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really works. You know, as that length of time can testify. And then the fact that other people saw what we were doing and said, hey, we want to do this too. And so they've opened you know, something like this in their own community. And so now there's 40, 50 restaurants nationwide that are doing some version of this type of service to the community and just trying to get good food out there to the masses. Um, so, you know, we, every day at same, we would be somewhere between, you know, 60 or 100 people. Uh, you know, some would come in, pay a quarter. Some might come in and pay $25. Some might pay nothing, but uh, choose to volunteer for a half an hour and, you know, earn their meal that way. Um, there's options for everybody. That's incredible. Like, so, yeah, so I was curious about the actual functionality of it. So, you know, you said uh, upwards of 60 people a day, the restaurant would serve. So it, some people would could pay what they have in their pocket. Some people could pay more. Some people wouldn't pay at all. And um, so, like, how did you, how did you start it and was there any, I would imagine there'd be a lot of anxiety about whether or not you could sustain it because like you have to pay for food and you got to pay for electricity and rent and all these other things. And so, I mean, did you guys have some resources behind the scenes, kind of a stockpile of cash that you depended on and said, okay, if we can get this far with it or what, like what were the, what was that first few months like for you guys? You sound kind of like my dad. My dad asked all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our parents were very, very supportive, but they were also very realistic. They're like, wait, how are you going to do this? Like, how is this going to happen? And, you know, we didn't, we were just, you know, young. Naive. Naive. <laughs> you know. Sometimes, you and, know, the uh, best world changers are the naive ones, you know, because they, they, you, they, they're not <laughs> held back by the, by the limitations that everyone else is focusing on. Right. We don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, All we need to know is that, you know, we know that people are good and people are, you know, have this innate desire to be good fellow humans. And so we trusted in that and we trusted in God and we knew that our you know basic needs were going to be covered. Uh, we just I, had faith I, in did, it. I mean, after talking to my parents too, I mean, they, they were extremely supportive, but they were also, you know, like I said, realistic. And they said, you know, where are you going to live? Like what happens if, you know, you lose the house or what happens if you blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we did things like uh, we made sure that, 
we had a year's worth of operating expenses when we when we opened. We at least paid the rent for a year. Um, and we had we had sent out we did send out like before crowdfunding was a thing. We sent out a letter to all of our friends and family um, and said, you know, could you support us? Would you buy a spatula? Would you buy a table? Would you buy a refrigerator? And we sent this price list of like, here's all the things we need. Mm-hmm. What can you what can you help us with? And some people sent us checks and some people sent us actual spatulas. We 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 used to love it getting in, opening the packages in the mail and then a pizza cutter, yeah. <laughs> Like you're registering for your wedding or something. Yeah. And um, we had, I mean, when we tell restaurant people what we, the amount of money we started the restaurant with, they laugh because they're like, there's no possible way you started a restaurant with $30,000. I'm like, yep, we did. Um, and it was pretty much the money that was in our IRAs and our 401ks that we took out of um, those against our parents' best mm-hmm. advice. Um, and we loaned it to the restaurant, and within the first like, year and a half, we were able to pay it back. Um, wow. And we weren't taking salaries, so I kept teaching. I taught the first three years, and Brad ran the restaurant all by himself for three years. Wow. Um, and granted, you know, we started small. We started with, like, 16 feet, um, really tiny. The, the square footage was 600 square feet. We really wanted to keep it tight because we knew that if nothing else, we could be open for a year by just paying the rent. And... We thought, you know, even if just one person comes in and needs this place, then it will be a success. And so we spent probably two years, two and a half years, just planning and saving and uh, buying things and organizing and looking at properties and trying to figure out, you know. And we'd hit roadblocks and we'd get discouraged and we'd be like, all right, God, are we supposed to do this? I don't know if we're supposed to do this. Like, it seems like we're not supposed to do this. And then another door would open and we would we would really figure out, like, Oh, okay. Yep. We are. Keep moving ahead. Keep moving ahead. This is going to happen. Um, there was one, you know, one instance where we got to a point where the city and county were giving us a bit of a headache about some permitting issues. We needed to have a, a fan installed that was going to cost a lot of money. And we didn't have any, we didn't have that amount of money. It was going to be like $50,000. And I thought, oh, no, this, this is out of control. We're not going to be able to come up with $50,000. And that means that we did all this work for nothing because they're not letting us open. Um, and, you know, miraculously, that, that issue found a resolution that didn't cost us a dime, and we were able to, to keep moving forward. So, you know, the, the, the magic of it, really, I mean, I don't, it's not really magic, it's God making it happen, but the fact that we had no idea what we were doing. We had never opened a restaurant, Brad, Brad and I, I mean, are the, the really the extent of our kitchen experience is I was a server in high school and college and Brad had worked at a Dairy Queen. Um, when, he, when he went to culinary school, he did some like professional staging in, in kitchens and stuff, but he never worked in one. So, you know, when we told people that we were going to open a restaurant and he'd never worked in one, they were like, what are you doing? Not only that, <laughs> yeah, you're going to open a restaurant doing. that you've never worked in, never worked in a restaurant before, but you're also going to do it in a way that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get paid. And so that had to have been a double whammy. Yeah, you know it. I mean, it's, everyone thought we were insane. And there wasn't a moment of insanity for us. Like, we just knew it was something we had to do. We knew that if, you know, if, if it came down to it, if I, you know, look back on my life and I was 80 years old and I think to myself, what if, what if we had opened that restaurant? What if we had done that? 
And that's my that's my power question. Like that's where I get my my go from. If if the answer to that is I will be sad, then I'm going to do it. Like if the answer to whatever the question is, like if I'm 80 and I'm looking back and say, no, what if I would have written that book, or what if I would have gone on that trip, or what if I would have, you know, whatever. If my answer in my head is that I'd be sad if I didn't have that experience, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't want the what if question. We did not want to come to the end of our time on earth and wonder what we, what we, what would have happened had we done that. No, I I love that. That's a total God story too. And in that you're, you were moving in faith and conviction. And despite what everyone was saying, I mean, I think that's what world changers are, despite all of the collective naysayers and the people that might try to, with best intentions, understandably, but they're, they're trying to discourage you from pursuing it because they think it's the wrong decision. But like, there's this conviction inside your spirit that says, nope, like I, I just know, like it just felt right. It felt like you needed to do it. Like you were pulled in that direction. And that's the type of conviction that changes the world, in my opinion. We agree 100%. So in terms of the, uh, of the experience, like, like one question that I had when I was thinking about talking with you guys is like, do you ever have anybody or have you ever had anybody come in there and go, okay, well, uh, I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to have dinner. And then I'm going to be here tomorrow. And I'm going to have breakfast and lunch and dinner, and I'm never going to pay for it. And that's the way I'm going to, going to move yeah. forward. Like, do, do you, do you have situations like that? Do you, do you have any limit on how many times somebody can come back or how often they can come in, especially if they're, if they're habitually not paying or do you just go, okay, this is, this is our mission. We're going to, we're going to feed the hungry just like, uh, like Jesus did. Um, well, uh, yeah, we, luckily we didn't have to, that kind of extreme that the restaurant only served lunch, uh, you know, six days a week. So we didn't have the, you know, somebody could pretty much live there day in and day out and get all their meals. But, um, we absolutely had people that would come, you know, time and time and time again. Uh, you know, they might show up when we first opened and then come back again towards the end of the lunch service and want to eat again. And, uh, you know, sometimes saying, sometimes not. And what it came down to was just, we just had conversations with everybody that was, you know, that we felt like they might be kind of stretch, trying to stretch the rules or, um, you know, take more than their fair share. Uh, and just let them know, it's like, hey, you know, we're trying to get a, you know, one good meal a day into as many people's bellies as we can. If you take more than your share, you're taking away from somebody else. Uh, and so a lot of times that would, just having that simple conversation would head off any kind of uh, kind of bad negative vibes or, you know, somebody trying to get away with something. Well, I mean, we really feel like the power of this cafe is in relationships. It's not just, I mean, we are building community through healthy food. It's, it, it's not, um, it's not just about a quote unquote female because we want people to belong. Like, we want them to know that this is a, a safe place for them, that they can always come here and, and get what they need. And, you know, if you need to eat here every single day for free, I want to know what's going on in your life. Like, how can I, how can I help you? Like, what do you, kind of support do you need? Because that means that you are pretty down and out. And what, what else do you need in your life that, that maybe we could connect you with or we could at least be a listening ear for? So it's not like somebody anonymously comes in and has a meal with us every single day. And I don't know what's going on in your life. Someone who's working there doesn't know what's going on in your life. I mean, our job is to build people up and, and do that through food. And so, you know, when when person X comes in every single day and has lunch with us, I know their name. I'm talking to them. I'm I know they don't like onions. I know they 
you know, their kids are out of school today because, you know, one of them has chicken pox or something. You know, we have, we have a relationship with our customers. It's not a, you know, it's not casual. So we have this, this uh, opportunity to just build relationships with people. So I know that, you know, so-and-so needs a, needs a break today because they just lost their job and they're still looking for a house and an apartment. Um, and so, you know, and, and most of the times when those relationships get built, it is about helping each other. It's not about us giving to them. This is not an us and them kind of thing. Like, I I don't I don't want people to feel like uh, this, might, this might come off negatively, but, you know, we aren't rich. We aren't you know, we aren't trust fund kids. We didn't, we didn't fall into a great big pile of money, and this is how we wanted to give back to community. Um, we, we wanted to walk, walk alongside people in, in dignity and in grace and really invite them to be in the space with us in a healthy way. So if somebody just comes in and takes and takes and takes, it doesn't feel very healthy to us. It also doesn't feel very dignified or graceful. So, you know, we, we often will say to folks, you know, Tell me what's going on. I want to hear about your life. I want to know you more. I want to build build this relationship. And when those walls get kind of taken down, nobody takes advantage of that. It's like you're going over to your grandma's house. You're going over to your neighbor's house. Like you're not going to come empty-handed every single time. So, you know, you're going to pick up the plate and you're going to wipe down the table and you're going to sweep the floors and you're going to ask if there's anything you can do on the way out because we all we all work in this space together and it takes all of us to make it happen. That's beautiful. I mean, that literally is beautiful. Like I have a much better understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, like the community coming alongside, you know, the, the conversations, the talking, like this is, this is more than just about food. It's about relationships. It's about healing. It's about friendship. It's about community. It's about involvement and sacrifice and, and sometimes suffering and sometimes challenges. And I could see if you're having those conversations with somebody, you know, and somebody still wants to take, 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 you know, like I could see how that would be obvious. You could, but I could see how you could get past that too, as well, you know? Uh, that, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. That's a, that's almost like a course in, in, uh, human psychology too. Like just the, just come alongside people well, and hearing all the stories and, and, uh, the situations that have given rise to, to why they're sitting with you on that particular day, you know? And that's part of the reason too, why we retired from the everyday, uh, in the kitchen, because, you know, a lot of folks who were needing us for sustenance, and, and community, they needed both, you know, they needed a, a place to belong. They really had some trauma in their lives. And so listening to that trauma day in and day out is, is sort of taxing on your, on your soul. And so we had to take a step back from the everyday, like, I'm going to hand you the soup. I'm going to hear your story. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to be there for you. We weren't doing a very good job of self-care. We were working about 60 to 80 hours a week and, um, you know, just really, burning the candle at both ends for a really long time. And so we, we said to each other, you know, it's time that for the health of the organization, we need to take a step back so that it can grow and it can, it can listen to what the community needs and we're not holding it back. And then we can kind of pivot and see how we can support other cafes that are doing this around the country and then encourage their staff and their, um, there are folks that are in the cafe to do the self-care that it needs to take to do this work for the long haul. Because that's the biggest lesson we learned from from this is that, um, you know, being with other people in community is hard. And you really have to, you really have to do self-care. You really need to, really need to take care of yourself in order to do your best every day and to be there for people every day. And so 
you know, this, the, the magic of that transition has been that we've been to six or eight community cafes now that are like ours and given their folks a break. And so right now we're in Fort Worth, Texas at um, Taste Project Community Restaurant and they their um, executive director slash chef and his wife were able to go on sabbatical for a whole month because we were able to come and just step in and fill in wherever they needed and give him the break that he needs so that he can continue to do this hard work for the long haul. That's great. That's phenomenal. Now, was your was your restaurant what sparked this? Now, you know, I would I would I would hear nationwide type of of uh, growth that we're seeing. Was it was it your restaurant that began that chapter? Our same cafe is the oldest operating restaurant like this. Um, that, you know, since we've been going since two thousand six. Um, I think there were other people who had the idea independently, but until they saw a proof of concept, they didn't want to take a chance. They may have said, you know, this would be a good idea, uh, but I'm not ready. Not, I'm not willing to risk it but until they you know, saw that there was another one out there that had you know, already been successful and they were able to you know, use that for their inspiration. Um, we got a lot of um, press early on that, um, you know, we, there was a there was a cafe in Salt Lake City who was doing something similar to this at the time, and we went and visited it and checked it out, and it wasn't exactly what we wanted to do. They had suggested prices, um, and there was a, a free item on the menu. If you couldn't pay, then you were you were asked to eat this free item on the menu, and and that didn't quite feel exactly like what we wanted to do. And so, the woman who started that restaurant, Denise Toretto, was amazing. She was awesome. She helped us. She mentored us. She was fantastic. And so she sort of the inspiration for how all of the cafes um, kind of got together. We call it a um, summit. summit. Yeah, one, once every year, any of the cafes that want to, that are doing this kind of work can come together for a summit every year. And she started that um, initiative after we um, opened. And so there have been like, you know, we were on the cover of the LA Times on a Sunday. We were, you know, we've been on CBS. Uh, early show and probably the the biggest impact that we saw from some of the early coverage was the NBC Nightly News oh, yeah. uh, did a, a short spot and they're making a different segment on same and we know now it, you know we didn't find out for a while but we know now that John Bon Jovi and his wife were sitting there watching that episode and his wife Dorothea looked at John and said we're doing this we are totally doing this Mm. And they have uh, three of them right now. Now they have three pay what you can cafes in New Jersey. And also that same time, the CEO of Panera Bread was watching, and he decided that he was going to convert some of their Panera Bread locations to be uh, the pay what you can model. So it, you know, it's had it's had some impact, and it's a little bit. You know, we're very proud of that. Yeah. I was just going to say, how did that make you that... feel? Like, I mean, like that was sparked by you guys having that conviction of pursuing it even though you were you were told from many different sources that you know are you really serious are you thinking this through are you sure or you know like how did that make you feel it's overwhelming sometimes we're just very um grateful that we felt the the calling and then we're able to have the courage to respond to it because really i mean it has impacted so many people so many more people than you know the number who serve that same for certain, and um, we kind of think of ourselves as the godparents to all these other um, cafes that are that are open. Some people call us the grandparents. I'm like, we're not old. You can't call us grandparents. Um, but 
we like we like godparents because we we really do um, feel a sense of um, connection, connection, responsibility, yeah. uh, and 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 any pride. I mean, just the uh, you know, I kind of be prideful, but at the same time, it's it's awesome to see that you know this growing movement going on around the country that uh, people wanting to help feed their community and to be any part of that at all is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, I would totally agree with that. I think that that's exceptional. And, and so one question I had is, is so is the restaurant, is it a for-profit enterprise or have you turned it into a nonprofit? Like what's the structure of most restaurants? Yeah, so most of them, our same cafe is a nonprofit. We started as a nonprofit. We had we had a lot of um, questions about that when when we when it first you know when we were first opening. We didn't know anything about running a nonprofit. We didn't know anything about starting a business. We didn't even know if it was legal to like start a nonprofit that brought some money in and like. So we had to do tons and tons of research. Um, there have been successful uh, for-profit entities that have either done a pay-what-you-can item on the menu or a pay-what-you-can day or um, pay-it-forward kind of thing where, you know, you buy a coffee today and you or you buy two coffees, one for you and one for somebody else kind of thing or two slices of pizza. Um, and so it can work in a lot of different iterations. The ones that we have the most uh, interaction with are nonprofits, not for profit. So they, so a lot of what we do in order to see, to serve everyone and to, to be able to build that community is to ask for that support from a, a broader uh, financial base. So we do write grants, we do hold fundraisers, uh, we do all kinds of things in order to um, make ends meet, in order to, to meet the bottom line so that we can continue buying. At same, we, we serve and still serve, served and still serve um, all organic and local produce. So you know, most restaurants get like a, a Cisco order or a big, you know, some big food conglomerate delivery two or three days, two or three times a week. Same doesn't do that regularly. So we we work directly with local farms and are and are serving what's growing in our community. And when stuff isn't growing in the winter, we're we're able to freeze and store a lot of the the harvest, the bounty of the harvest, and use it all winter long. Oh, that's awesome. That is, that's, that's exceptional. So not only is it, is it community, but it's actually exceptional food, I would yeah. think too, like organic, real, healthy, mm-hmm. awesome food. Yeah. Yep. We wanted it to be the best food we right. could put out and not, you know, not skimp on any, you know, any corner in the menu because we wanted people to be able to access the best. And that's why we were doing it so that people could eat good, healthy, quality foods that they couldn't access normally. And so, uh, you know, working with those local farms was great for us and great for our customers, but it was also great for the farmers because we were able to you know, help support them and it, you know, the build, building the bigger community outside of the cafe as well, uh, which felt like that was so important that we stressed, you know, keeping those relationships going above, you know, bringing in more cash. Yeah. What's, what's the big dream? I mean, do you want one of these in every community in the country and then the world? Like what's, what's the big vision that you guys, you know, like maybe something that you don't even say, but yet you have in your heart, like what's the, what's the bigger goal? I mean, having one in every community, I think would be amazing. And big communities and small communities can support these. It's not something that, um, you know, only works in a big city like Denver. This is, 
or Fort Worth, these, these can work. And there's there's one in Boone, North Carolina, which is not not a very big place. Um, <laughs> there's a town of 300 people in northern Michigan that has one of these cafes. Oh, yeah. It does gangbusters business. Uh, mm-hmm. They are they're doing very well. Uh, but 300 people in the community. So I mean, it doesn't necessarily only work in medium to large markets. It can be anywhere. I feel like Jen, Jen and I are the type that you, you know we have a heart for other people that way. I feel like yeah. if we ate there, we would we would probably pay three to four times what we think that the actual price of a meal like that would be. Yeah. I mean, like if we, if we thought the bill would be thirty bucks, we'd probably leave a hundred just because we'd want other people to be fed. So, I mean, have you had large uh, donations like that? Have you had people come in and sit down and and leave you hundreds or thousands of dollars because they believe in the cause? Absolutely. Well, I mean. It's- those, those are the days that are great because I mean, at same it's an anonymous process, so we have no idea who pays what. It's in a donation box on the counter, um, or or there is you can pay with a credit card, but the credit card machine is customer facing. It's a square, so you get to put in whatever you want to um, pay. And you know, there are days when we would open the box and find a hundred dollar bill and just look at each other and be like, "Who gave a hundred dollars today?" Like we would look at each other like. Did one person come in the door who we thought would donate a hundred dollars? Who was that? Like it's just, it was just the greatest <laughs> experiment, and I wonder who it was. And then it then it really freed us up to just treat everyone the exact same way. Like we had no idea who was leaving a hundred dollars, and we had no idea who was leaving a dollar, and that was really beautiful. It's really magical. Unless somebody like physically handed me the hundred dollars, I would not know who it was. And you know, every once in a while, someone would do that. Like, oh, I didn't want to put this in the box. I'm like, okay. Oh, Okay, well, thank you, but I'm going to put it in the box. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, for the for the diner side, you know, for the diner who's the donor, they have the opportunity to, to give a donation and immediately see that donation in action. Whereas if you write a check to your local whatever big charity, you may not see that impact until, you know, months down the road. If, you know, if at all. If you can, if you can actually see it. So, um you know, in these cafes, it's immediate. You know, it might be the person in line right behind you that's, you know, being able to eat that day because you were so generous. Uh, and so, I love, I love that yeah, aspect. I, I def- could, I could see that point. I could see how you would feel like, you know, like you're, you're doing something in an immediate sense to the community, and you can witness what benefit it's bringing to others. It's, it's not something that. You know, you get some sort of, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to give the cause, but I have no way to see how it's going to impact somebody. You know, I, I could see how that would be a, a benefit. Um, I guess my question is, you know, relative to the current situation, you know, how are the restaurants dealing with COVID, the pandemic? You, you know, like you've had, you have to adhere to the same guidelines any other for-profit restaurant has to adhere to. So you got right. fewer tables, yep. you know, you've got protection, you've got yep. all this other stuff that you got to deal with. So how have you guys navigated, you know, the current environment? Yeah, our, our new executive director and kitchen um, chef are just amazing. They really, and the team, the whole team at same, just powered through that, the, the really intense parts of, of COVID, you know, when, when things were shut down and restaurants could not open in Denver, um, they, you know, they figured out ways to make meals and get them to the people who needed them. And there were days when they were serving 300 meals a day. I mean, we, we would go, you know, average on a, on a good day is, you know, 85, 90, right? Before COVID, I should say. Um, and they went to 300. And so 
there's a piece of like building community that doesn't happen when you're serving 300 people because you're just trying to help people survive the next day. And I think that's what happens in a pandemic. You you switch gears and you meet people's immediate needs. And they did an amazing job of that. Like just unbelievable to watch. Uh, and then, you know, as things have started to slow down a little bit and they were able to open the dining room back up, um, you know, we they had to make some physical changes in the space. They spent, you know, they had to invest quite a bit of money in um, sneeze guards and moving the drink station. It used to be a self-service drink station and due to, you know, health department kind of guidelines, that's no longer available. And so some major renovations, like not little things, like installing plexiglass all through the front counter is, is not an easy installation and, and moving the drink station, which is, you know, hard pipe to the dining room. These, these were big changes and they made them happen while they were still able to serve people on, on the patio essentially. And then they made the, they made the effort to get the dining room open as soon as they could. Um, you know, and really, like I said, building community in a dignified way, we want to serve people through, through that interaction. We want to, we want to be in community with people. So, you know, I think getting our doors back open and allowing people to come back inside St. Cafe was really important so that we could, we could really meet people face to face and, and, and see how the pandemic was impacting them and, and be there to support them and have them support us. Um, I don't know what the world's going to look like. I don't, I don't know if restaurants will ever go back to what they were before. Um, but I'm proud to say that the community really rallied around staying and, and, you know, whenever we needed something, whenever things were getting hard, people, people would come to their aid and, and it, it really has been overwhelming to watch. Say, I know this sounds really <laughs> kind of selfish, but I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't in the cafe every single day during this time because I'm sure that, um, this is so stressful, so, so stressful. I guess, you know, the question that comes to mind for me is just this idea of relaunching because I'm somebody that had never heard of the concept before. And I would think in this current environment with so many restaurants struggling, so many restaurants more than likely going out of business, I feel like the need for your model is only going to be in the immediate sense more desirable and, and more pressing. I feel like there's an opportunity to take over other spaces of failed restaurants potentially. And so I'm wondering if if there's an opportunity for you guys to, to almost do a repress launch, relaunch, you know, in the age of the pandemic, this is a potential option, you know, get the word out more so that more people can potentially follow a model like this. Maybe, a, you know, because I've used this example many times on the radio, I, I imagine some sort of successful restaurateur who had three restaurants that now is facing potential financial ruin just because of the carrying costs, the restaurant being shut down, limited seating, etc. There's no way he can he can put it all together. Maybe this is that idea that comes out of it. Maybe something like this is what he can or, or she can do moving forward. So I just, I, you know, I, I want to sing the praises all across the country to yeah. see if there's more opportunities to have more restaurants like this. Yeah. Um, and Honestly, we, when we opened, it was 2006, and the economy was great, and everything was going well, and then we saw the economy tank, and, the, and we saw the direct impact of it on the Denver community hit about 2008, 2009. Nothing like a pandemic does. Nothing. But we were so essential, so essential at that time. Same Cafe went from serving, you know, 19 people a day to, like, 75, 80 people a day. Um, and I think it just shows you how many people are impacted by an economic challenge like a pandemic or a, a, an economic crisis in the country. And I think, you know, 
more of these restaurants? Yes, 100% yes. And and we're, I mean, we are talking and hearing from people that are you know, coast to coast that are thinking about that, you know, exact thing that they, it's time for their communities to step up and there's all these, you know, restaurant spaces that are available now. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the time if, if we can just get motivation and get the momentum going for these folks, um, to be able to create those spaces in the community. Yeah, I just I just think it's a community interest, a community involvement. I mean, I, I think a press release again, you know, so some sort of a relaunch initiative because I, I just can't help but think that the need is even greater than it's ever been mm-hmm. and the opportunity yep. for yeah. people to start something like this given in my expectation, how many restaurants uh, may not make it out of the pandemic? I, and, and maybe some of those people go, oh, hey, this this is a model I can get behind. Maybe I'll form a nonprofit. I'll do it this way. I can still do what I love. I can still cook, et cetera. But, you know, I, I just don't have the resources to start up the restaurant the way it, w- the model was before. Like, I, I just... You know, yep. just in, I, yep. I, I feel strongly that there's a there's a greater need than has ever been before if people just were aware that this is an opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. As long as there's a podcast about hope that could help spread the word about these kind of models. This is true. <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. Yes, I I totally agree with you. And yeah, and I, you know, that you guys are doing hope every day. Like you, you guys are hope dealers just like we are. You know, you're doing it through food. I'm doing it through our voice and. And, uh, you know, our personalities and stuff, but like, we're doing the same mission just, just differently. And I, and I agree. I, I, I just think it's an awesome, you know, opportunity. Like when you sit back and, and you guys go to sleep and lay your head on a, on a pillow to think about how many people have been fed that day because mm-hmm. of what you started, you know, has got to be a, a, a fulfilling and satisfying feeling. It, yeah, it definitely is. And some days we just shake our head and you know, just are amazed that we've been able to be part of this and that, you know, God's allowed us to, to make an impact, you know, some size in the communities that we've been involved with. Uh, and some days we look, shake our heads and we look at each other and say, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> this is crazy talk. I, th- I think they call that life. But I think that everybody has those kind of days, you know, both both good and bad. Yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone would describe the restaurant industry as easy. So mm-hmm. uh, when you add a nonprofit concept on top of it, it's definitely uh, complicated things. Well, for the benefit of you guys, you know, if somebody's listening right now to the podcast and they they want to help in some way, they want to support in some way, what would be the way in which they could do so? Um, is there a website that they can go to? H- how do they support this cause of, of, you know, a community restaurant that doesn't charge prices, et cetera? H- how would they do that? Yeah. So there is a website. Uh, we, we are part of an organization called One World Everybody Eats. And uh, the mission of their organization is to ensure that communities have access to um, information to do this. And so please, um, you know, let, let people know that that's a, a resource for them. And, and we are heavily involved in that organization. And of course, you know, go to Sane Cafe and, and check it out. Eat there. Go to the, go to the website if you can't, um, you can't dine in the space. Yeah. So all may org is the Sane Cafe website. Say that okay. again slower. So I, all, I just want to make sure that yeah. we're, we're getting, you know, the, the correct information so people can go there. Yeah. 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 It's, um, so all may eat dot org. So uh, all that's, that's the same cafe website. Eat dot org. Okay. I'm glad yeah, I asked that, that because I, I wasn't world, everybody eat. 
cafe.org website, there's also a map of community cafes around the country. So there's you can find the cafe that's closest to you. If you're not near Denver, you can you can find one that's in your community or near your community. Do you know if there's one in Sacramento? There is not. You want to start one? <laughs> I'm looking yes. at Jen. Jen, Jen with, with Jen with the, oh, she just lit up on that idea. I'm I'm already thinking like, okay, how how often does the menu change? Who makes the menu, and what can I order? <laughs> I'm already yes, thinking. Yes. Well, it depends on which restaurant you're in because in in Fort Worth right now they change the menu seasonally, but Brad and I change the menu every day based on oh. what was in season and what our farmers were bringing to us. So, well, that's why people come back every day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they want to know what well, what, what you're making. Who meet us every single day. Yeah, yeah. And, and for people who need help every single day, they don't want to eat the same thing every single day. So no. jazzing it up a little bit, changing it up. We we always serve two salad and pizza, but the flavors of those change. So oh. it was it was really an opportunity to get good healthy food in an Iron Chef kind of everyday yeah. atmosphere where you walk in and like what oh, what's today. I love that. Well, I think that sparks your creative too. I mean, I think you got to love what you do, and if you're cooking the same thing every single day, you'd probably, you know, not love what you were no, doing. So the fact like that you job. can be creative and and try something new and put out something new and get feedback from people and and know that you are doing your best to provide a variety, I think would be would be really satisfying as well. Do you make desserts too? Uh, we at same have a shortbread sugar cookie that's my family's secret recipe that is to die for. It's worth driving all the way from Sacramento. <laughs> to Denver. Well, I might, I might do that, you know. I'll fly, but <laughs> <laughs> if they let us fly, I will fly. <laughs> Definitely worth the trip. Uh, yeah, it's fun playing in the kitchen, playing with playing with your food, feeding well, people. I was going to say, I think that there's a lot of people out right now that, that may be reflecting on their lives i think that the that the great pause you know the pandemic has created an opportunity for the ones that uh want to do so to reflect on their life to take stock of where they are to take stock of of you know their purpose in life why am i here what am i supposed to do and for somebody that has followed their purpose followed that prompting with conviction i guess i just want to know what would you say to somebody right now that uh, maybe has that whisper inside their spirit about some idea, no matter how crazy they think it is, but they feel prompting and they feel that, that pulling to, to do it, what would you say to that person right now? Well, I can give the same advice that someone gave me once, which was, um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? True, It, it was right? one of those moments where I was like, thought to myself, like, oh, I'm going to quit my job, Brad's going to quit his job, you know, we're going to jump off this cliff. I really felt like he was jumping off a cliff, and I was standing at the end of the cliff, and I just couldn't take the step. And the person finally asked me, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Do you have to go back to your day job? Do you, have to, you, know- you have to go back to teaching? He you have to go back to computer consulting? Like, and? And we were like, oh, oh, yeah. We can always fall back on those other things. We can always go back to our regular life. And it, it honestly did not even dawn on us. I don't know why. I have no idea why we we were just not even able to we weren't able to even think that way. We just knew it was like we had to do it. We had to do it. We had to do it. And so there was so much riding on doing it that I didn't even think about the fact that, oh yeah, I'm still a teacher. Like I can still go teach if I need to. Like if I this fails miserably and we have to close in six months, well, I'll just go back to third grade and teach third grade again. Like there, were, there was just this moment of like, oh yeah, we have to do this. 
<laughs> don't not do something and then you know be regretting it 20 or 30 years down the road so you know that's definitely what we tell people when they come to us with this crazy notion I love that. Well said. Great advice. I was going to allude to the same thing. You know, you don't want to be 90 years old and, and regret not trying. And so I think that that's, uh, that's part of the reason that we started the Hope Radio podcast. And certainly I think part of the reason why you, you're doing what you're doing with the community cafes. And I just got to say, you're an inspiration. You guys, what you're doing is uh, awesome. I, I, I love it. I think it was a phenomenal idea. I applaud you and uh, celebrate your successes, and and I do hope that at some point there's a community cafe like this in every every community throughout the country. And um, you know, you guys could could take solace and comfort in in knowing that you had a, a big piece in in making that happen. So congratulations to you both, and thank you so much for your time talking with us about hope. And I think what you're doing coming alongside your community is the epitome of hope. So so thank you very much. Thank you. We so appreciate being part of this podcast. Thanks for inviting us on, letting us talk about our favorite subject in the whole world. And, uh, yeah. we're, just, we're grateful. You guys are awesome. I feel like we could say the exact same thing about you. Oh, well, that's sweet. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, I think we're, we're just, you know, we're just a husband and wife team ourselves, just like you. And I think we're just both on a path of following what we feel God led us to do and making a difference. And yep coming alongside our community. And, and, uh, so I think that we have a lot in common, but, uh, thank you again. And I, I wish you guys all the success in the world and can't wait to hear about the 500th re- restaurant that's available yes. in the country like this, you know, like we'll keep looking for those milestones. We'll, we'll certainly let you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care you guys. Thank you. All right, Jen, what'd you think about our interview with Brad and Libby? I think I really want to go check out one of these restaurants is what I'm really thinking. I think that I do as well. And I think that they were, you know, hitting at we should try to do one in Sacramento as though we're not doing enough, right? Right. Well, isn't that kind of what Loaves and Fishes is, but maybe not as good of food? Well, see, Loaves and Fishes, which is a local enterprise down in, in Sacramento, they feed the hungry but it's there is no opportunity, I don't think, for anybody to make a donation at the table or to be more of a restaurant vibe. Right, okay. Right? Yeah. So this is actually a community restaurant. The menu changes frequently. It's fresh produce. People can pay if they're willing and able mm-hmm. to pay, whereas I think Loaves and Fishes is more, you know, nobody pays. So m- Loaves and Fishes is more for just the homeless people that... Yes. And That's my understanding. These restaurants are for like anybody, like you and I can go in there and have yes. a meal. Yes. So, okay. Yes. And I think that they're smaller enterprises. They're more community oriented. And in, in other words, they situate themselves in a community where the community can rally yeah. around that support. And so you can get all different types that enter the restaurant. Yeah. You know, some people can pay, some people can't. But I really do love that idea. I, th- I thought, you know, and it's one of the things that struck me was just their conviction to move forward with that with no background, mm-hmm. no experience, just this tug in their heart. And they just followed it. Yeah. Like, like Libby said, what's the worst that can happen? You know, that's kind of what the realization exactly. they came to. And, exactly. and I think so many times people do not chase their dreams, do not chase that prompting in their spirit because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And so if you can overcome that fear, if you can talk yourself through it, what's the worst that can happen? I, I can go back and get a day job, you know, like, but if I don't try, what's that going to feel like? Mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 years from now. And when I'm 90, what's it going to feel like if I knew I should have, but I didn't because I was scared. Yeah. 
you know, that fear-based no mentality. No regrets, people. No regrets. Go do your thing. I And I just, I feel like he, Brad, I feel like he loves food. Like he has a passion for delivering the best of the ingredients yeah. and the situation, changing up the meal daily. You know, how I awesome love, is that? All, all their food is organic and from local farmers. Like they're helping out the farmers and it's great food. And yeah, it's not like I they're mean, getting, it's a win-win. It's not like they're getting big boxes of canned tomatoes kind of thing. You know, or, it's like, or leftovers at a grocery store that didn't sell. Like it's good yeah, food. Like they, they, they talked about dignity and mm-hmm. humanity. And yeah. and I think the hope nugget that I took away from it is, is just this chase, chase your dream, chase your, that, that prompting in your spirit yeah. and follow it wherever it leads you. And I think those types of people change the world. Yep. I really do. do. I, I think that people that, that follow that, that spirit led convicted, you know, kind of dream or idea that they have, those people, um, you know, th- those are people that we want to emulate. Those yeah. are, we need more of those types of people. They are world changers. Well, I hope to be on that list yes. someday. Wouldn't you like to be a world changer? Of course. Wouldn't you, wouldn't. Like to, wouldn't you like to look back and go, I made my dent. I made my mark. I helped change the world for a positive. Well, I think we're doing that with Hope Radio Podcast. Well, if maybe you are right. And if somebody wanted to hear more of our show, how do they do so? They can tune in to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Alexa will even play us if you ask her nicely. And Google Play. Anywhere you consume yeah. your digital podcasts. You will there. find us. All I got to yes. do is say Hope Radio Podcast. Yes. And if people want to connect with us on our socials, how do they do that? We are on social media on Facebook and Instagram, and you can just search Hope Radio Podcast. And here's one other thing that you can do. You can stay tuned because we have another show coming. We're going to do this again, Jen. We are? Yeah, we're going to do another podcast. I feel I feel like Brad. I want to change up the menu. I want to change what people <laughs> are, are eating, or in this case, listening to. And I'm going to have, I have a special guest planned for tomorrow. Oh. You ready? Yes. You're going to be there with me? I'm super excited and curious now. Same time, same place tomorrow? I'll be there.